Good evening. Some more people saying good morning. That's good. It feels like it's morning with how we're starting an hour earlier, so that's nice. Um, excited to be able to actually... Tonight is going to be a heavy subject, so it has been something that has been weighing on me today. I am excited to preach I'm excited to be here. I'm excited that we're at camp. There's really never a bad day at camp, uh, in my perspective. Um, just, just, just been a great day. Uh, even with the rain this morning, as we say in rural Iowa, man, we needed that. <laughs> so if you have your Bibles open, open them up. If you don't have them open yet, open them up to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. So we're continuing tonight in our series through Romans chapter 8. We're going to be in Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 25. Verses 14 through 25. Tonight's message is entitled, Buckle Up, Buttercup. And as we read through this text and as we look at this, Paul is going to be talking about some groaning. He's going to be talking about the future. He's going to be talking about suffering and how it all relates to the fact that we have been freed from the power and the penalty of sin. It all continues to be tied back to that as he started this. And and as we live in the power of God, as we live set free with our minds now set on the things of God, not on things of the flesh or on things of this earth, we're actually able to wade through the suffering that we see present within our lives. So as we read through this text tonight, we're going to, we're going to be looking at that specifically through this passage. So if you have your Bibles, Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 25. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. What a wonderful truth that that is. For all who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God And fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. But the creation waits with eager, eager longing for the revelation of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility. Not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, 
the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. Who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Let's pray. God, we come before you tonight with a heavy subject, something that probably every single one of us in here tonight has experienced, as just to be born into this world is to be born into suffering. God, we see this world, we see how broken it is, we see the need for restoration God, and as we see the suffering present within this world, that it would point us more and more to our hope to be in you. God, I pray that we would be able to trust you. I pray that we would be able to lean into the hope that you have provided for us in your only Son, Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you'd allow our hearts to be attentive tonight as we study your word. God, that we would be able to take your word and apply it, use it within our lives, that we would be able to encourage one another. In your blessed name, amen. How many of you guys have ever played a video game? Wow, that's quite a bit of you. Growing up, I used to play video games too, not so much anymore. About the only time that we ever play video games within the Huber house is during the winter, and I pull out my Xbox 360 with the Kinect. Anyone? Yeah, it's, it's pretty fun. Hard to believe that that's a classic now. And uh, we do that because the kids can't play outside as much. So it's something that you're able to stand in the living room with, and my youngest, Clay, loves to play bowling. I don't know why, but it's his favorite. So he plays bowling. Like it's never going out of style because in his mind it's not. He gets his mind stuck on a game. He just wants to continue to play it, play it, and play it. Both him and Paisley are extremely competitive against each other. And as they do that, it reminded me of me and my siblings growing up when we would play video games against each other. We would play games like Madden and NCAA. Last one being NCAA 14, which I accidentally sold at a garage sale last year. Not realizing how much it was worth, these kids came up and they were grabbing all of my old Xbox games. And they're like, really? Only $10 for all of these? And I was like, yeah. Well, they're like, wow, okay, mister. Gave me their money and away they went. They were neighborhood kids. And I thought, oh, why were they so excited about that? So then I started looking up the titles that they had bought and I realized, that game is like worth $60 or $70 right now. Oh, and I, just pennies on the dollar just walked out of my garage sale. But we would play those games against each other back when it was the original Super Nintendo, uh, not Nintendo NES, but Super Nintendo, and then, then it turned into the PlayStation, and, and we, would, we would battle against each other on these different games, and, and our siblings, me and my siblings, we are extremely competitive against each other. It didn't matter if we were on the court, it didn't matter if we were playing a board game, it didn't matter if we were playing a video game, we hated to lose to one another. So if I was beating one of my brothers in NCAA, getting all the glory, 
And the time was ticking out because at the end of the game, I would run the clock out, which they hated, instead of giving them another chance. That's just, that's just wisdom. But I could hear my brother still today saying, like, just don't be so afraid to continue to play, Cody. My older brother, Rodney. And then the next thing you would see is his finger reaching out to hit the reset button. Anyone else know that, that feeling? Oh, just devastation. I was about to win, I would yell. And then he would say, I know. That's why I pushed the reset button. And then that's when the fisticuffs would usually fly, right? And then the parents would take the PlayStation away. We couldn't have it anymore. And I was like, oh, man. See, we always wanted to win. We hated that feeling of losing. We hated that feeling of coming up on the other side of it. And it would cause these emotions to stir within us. We talked about those desires we talked about those emotions last night. When we go through hard times within our life and we are not walking in the Spirit, when we go through suffering within our lives and we are not walking and focused on the Spirit, we are not going to respond correctly. Some of us have gone through very hard times within our lives. Some of us are going through hard times even right now. When we suffer, we need to be able to respond rightly. When we feel like we are losing, we need to be able to respond rightly and be able to come back to Christ. And that's what we're going to be looking at tonight. Our big idea out of this is that life is hard and we need to trust God. Life is hard, we need to trust God. I'm trying to instill this within Paisley and Clay's life, even with games, even when times are hard, is the fact that life is going to be hard we're not always going to get our way. I see my kids and I see how they throw fits and it's so visible in a child, right? They can throw tantrums. But when adults throw tantrums, when, when young people like yourself throw, throw a tantrum, man, it, it's very visible, is it not? It just comes in different forms. We're able to justify it. We're able to, to, to say, well, if they wouldn't have done that, then... I wouldn't have done that to them, whatever it may be. If I would have had a full night's sleep, I would have responded correctly. How many of you have thought that today? <laughs> As the emotions are running high. As you're out in the water and you're cold and shivering within that game that some of you may not wanted to play. <laughs> Did you always respond rightly? Did you respond correctly? See, as Jesus is teaching his disciples before he, before he leaves this earth, there's something that he tells them. He says, you're going to be scattered. It's going to be hard. All of you are going to forsake me. <laughs> Jesus knew it. He knew what, what he was about to endure. And then he tells them this. In the world, you will have tribulation. In this world, you will have tribulation. Another word for that, suffering. In this world, you will have suffering. This morning, I was sitting with a group of junior high boys. And we tried to come up with the definition of suffering. I think that it actually fits pretty well. Um, I wanted to be able to explain it. 
uh, to you guys well. So here, here's what we came up with. It's pain over a period of time. Suffering comes in many different forms and ways. And some people's suffering is much different than what we would think is suffering. In fact, there was one night at church. <laughs> we, were, we were supposed to be playing a game. And one of the kids, he wanted to play dodgeball. Right? Who doesn't want to play dodgeball? It's a fun game. And this kid was so upset that we weren't playing dodgeball. He was crying over against the wall, and I went up to him, and I was like, hey, man, we're not playing dodgeball tonight, but you got to go out, and you have to do what everyone else is doing. He was like, no, I don't, <laughs> crying. It's like... And I had lost my patience at that point. So I said, hey, man, it's not that big of a deal that we're not playing dodgeball tonight. You need to get out there and have fun with everyone else. Just trying to force him into fun. Isn't that great? <laughs> and he's, he looks at me and he says, may not be a big deal to you, but it's a big deal to me. It's like, okay, there's truth to that, but still, your disobedience doesn't count here with this. But those words rang in my mind for a while because how many times do we look at our brothers and sisters in Christ and we're just like, hey, Buckle up, buttercup. That's life. Let's move on already. I don't know why you're still sitting here moping about this. Right? There's times when we need to be more compassionate in those seasons of suffering for our, for our brothers and sisters in Christ because in this world, in this world, we will have tribulation. But all around John 16, Jesus gives some wonderful promises. Even that we see here within Romans chapter 8. He says, in me, in me, guys, remember this, you're going to be scattered, you're going to forget all about me. Peter, you're going to deny me three times. Peter's like, no, I won't. <laughs> in me, you will have peace. In this world, you're going to have trouble, you're going to have suffering, you're going to have hard times, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus went to the cross. He paid the price for our sin. He sets us free from the domain of Satan and, and, and allows us to live as God's children through his sacrifice on the cross. That's what it means when it says that he has overcome the world. He has conquered sin and death for us once and for all by rising from the dead. And we get to share in that victory. We get to remember that victory. We get to look at Jesus and understand that he is the hope of the world. Life is hard. We need to trust God through our times of hardship, through our times of trouble, through our times of deep sorrow and suffering. Doesn't mean that we just walk through it like a weirdo laughing all the way through like, ha, 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 this is so great, right? I'm suffering right now. You would be a freak. That's not helpful. That's not even being honest. When you're going through hard times, be honest about it. Man, life is hard right now. Pray for me. I am struggling. I'm at my wit's end. I don't know what to do next. Pray that way to God. 
search his word for peace as well. That's what we're going to be looking at tonight. A few years back, I went through a season of within ministry where it seemed like there was something traumatic happening every, every week, and I'm not joking about that. Uh, I was up in Waterville, Minnesota. Our senior pastor had just started his sabbatical. I was eight months into my first associate pastor role, my only associate pastor role. Anyways, I was there as a pastor, and, uh, and he leaves for sabbatical for three months. And the first week up, an active coup started within the church. What that is is people trying to come in, and they were trying to elevate different leadership above our pastor that had just left for sabbatical for a season of rest. <laughs> and I was like, great, how do I deal with this? <laughs> then the second week, I got a phone call out of the blue from someone. And no joke, on the other line, this guy goes, hey, I'm an LGBTQ advocate from California. I was like, well, that's weird. What are you doing calling a church? I <laughs> uh, said, okay, what's going on? He said, well, there's someone within your church that they're going to leave their family tonight, and uh, we want you to be ready to help that family. I was like, what? So home was wrecked, and that was tough to work with them through and just seeing the suffering that was going on there. And then the next week... The next week, I got a phone call that one of the families within our church had just lost their son to suicide. And as I was driving to the funeral home, I didn't know what to say. I was praying to God. I was asking him for help. I was pleading with him. I had called my friends that were also in ministry, and I said, guys, I don't know what to do here. I don't know what to say to this family. So I walked into the room. And I sat down, and I was just completely honest with them. Guys, I have no clue what to say to you. I have no words to fix what you are going through right now. There's nothing that I'm going to say that's going to bring your son back right now. This is just a sad time. And I read to them out of John 16, 33, and then we sat and we wept. Young person, there are going to be times of great sorrow within your life. Some of you have gone through them. You've seen your home broken. You've seen your loved ones die. You've seen your loved ones struggle with sickness. And we groan and we suffer. Big idea tonight is life is hard. We need to trust God. So how can we go through these hard times? How, how, can we, how can we work through the hard times within our life? First one is this. We need to resist defeat. We need to resist defeat. Don't forget about the battle that's waging war within your members there's also a war that is present outside of us as well. We have this war, this conflict that's happening within us. But then on the outside, there's a, a cosmic battle that sometimes we forget about. There's the fact that we forget that this creation is groaning. What Paul means by that is that it is longing to be restored because sin has entered into the world and it has tainted everything. 
everything has been affected by sin. And this whole, whole earth is longing for the day that God's children will be restored. That's what it says here in Romans chapter 8. We're going to start to understand that a little bit more. But right away here in this passage, right after, right after Paul speaks in verse 14 that for we who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Those who have placed their faith, their trust in Christ become sons of God. They have a new identity. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. See, Satan wants to defeat you. He waits for you like a prowling lion seeking to devour you. This world wants to crush the hope that we have in Christ. They want to snuff it out. That's what Satan wants to do. He wants to silence it. They don't want the message of hope that is found in Christ to be heard at all. We, we can't fall back into a spirit of fear. It's a spirit of defeat. It's a spirit of not trusting God. Why? Because we're his children. And we have a father who we can infinitely trust. So Paul's trying to point them to here is the fact that their identity has been changed. They're no longer children of wrath. They're no longer children of Satan, but they have become a child of God. For those of you who are here this evening who, has, who have placed their faith and trust in Christ, you are a child of God by adoption. God sees you equal with his son. He sees you as an heir. That becomes a pretty big deal talked about it already this week, means that we get to inherit God's riches. In Ephesians, it talks about how we have all of the power of God at our disposal. In 2 Peter, it talks about how we have everything, everything pertaining to life and godliness. But a lot of times, we become lazy, and we become fearful, and we don't trust in it, and we don't resist defeat enough, and we allow ourselves to, to live in this mopey type of attitude in which we don't trust God. There's times in which we are going to groan. Paul says it here, that even you are going to long for the redemption of your bodies. I have longed this past year more than I had ever thought I would for the redemption of our bodies. Earlier this year, we taught through uh, 1 Corinthians 15. It took about eight weeks to get through. Just learned about what that was going to be. Wonderful truths within 1 Corinthians 15. I would encourage you to go there. Read it. Study it. Think about how one day Christ is going to be completely victorious. And we have no fear in sin and death over, about it. Greg Gosnell, who's doing springboard, does a wonderful, wonderful recitation. Or He's memorized 1 Corinthians 15. He's able to recall it. I love hearing him, 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 him do it as he gets to the end of it and just how it crescendos up. I think that's the right word. Oh, death, 
Where is your sting? Because why? There's no sting in death. Because our bodies are going to be renewed. They're going to be redeemed. We're able to resist defeat because now we are, we are heirs of God. We are his children. We're able to go confidently before the throne and say, God, I need help. Just like a son goes to his father and asks for help. Because our, our father loves us, he wants to help us. So we resist defeat by asking for help. We pray and ask God for help. We ask others to pray for us because there are times when it is hard to just pray. I've been there. It's difficult. You're going to be there at some point. Ask for others to faithfully pray for you, young person. Faithfully pray for others. Remind yourself of Scripture. Take the promise of God and soak in it. Remember the fact that you are God's child. You don't have to fall back into the spirit of fear. You are a conqueror over sin. The world, this world is going to throw struggle after struggle at you. Don't set yourself up for defeat. Don't do it. Set up safeguards within your life right now. Set up ways in which you can have accountability with what you're looking at, with what you're, with what you're processing through. How much time you're spending on your phone. Man, how convicting that is at times. You guys ever set up that, 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 uh, oh, the thing that keeps track of your time on your Apple iPhone, kind of, what's it called? Screen time. How many of you guys have that? How many of you ever look at that? I'm always scared to look at my screen time report at the end of the week and see how many hours, hours that I have wasted on my phone. It's like, oh, why did I do that? I could have been spending time doing things that mattered, right? Don't set yourself up for defeat. Put safeguards Put yourself in, into relationships that are going to point you to Christ. Set yourself up in relationships in which they're going to be able to hold you up when you're struggling. That you can trust them when you're going through a hard time. You're able to go to them and say, hey, I am struggling with this right now. I need some help. Because if you start walking back in that spirit of the flesh, and you're setting your mind on the things of the flesh, when hard times come, guess what? You're going to live defeated. You're going to live in a spirit of fear. Satan wants to use that against you. He wants you to feel guilty. He's an accuser. He wants to accuse you and hold that guilt of sin over you. Resist defeat, young person. Resist it. And a way that you can resist it is by remembering, oh, no. Did I get, did I send you over the wrong one? I did. All right. Hey. Wow. That is fun. So the second one here is remember your victory in Christ. Remember your victory in Christ. Understand your identity is in Christ. You are no longer a slave to sin. You are no longer that child of wrath. You are able to go to God. You, your identity is set in, in Christ. It's not, it's not us who are doing the work. It's the Holy Spirit within us that's guiding us because of what Christ has supplied for us. 
So you need to remember the victory that you have in Christ. That you, you constantly have direct access to the creator of heaven and earth who wants to help you. He wants to help you. Paul's talking about that here in this passage. If not, if not received a spirit of slavery to be bound back into sin, to fall into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Believer, your destiny, your eternity set in heaven this life is short this life is temporal this life is fading away the things of this world are, are, are slowly deteriorating and one day when Christ comes back it'll be completely gone so many of us we think like we, we are going to die we're going to go to heaven that's true but then we, we tend to think that we're going to spend our whole eternity in heaven. It's actually not true. God's going to create a new earth. He's going to restore this earth. He, he, he's going to create a new earth and a new heavens that we'll be able to reside in forever for eternity. That's, that's where your identity needs to be set in, is in the victory of Christ. I like this quote. From Tony Merida, believer, your identity is not set in your performance, your popularity, or your pedigree. Meaning, which family lineage, which family you, you, you are part of. You are an adopted child of God. We've not earned this identity. We have received it as a gift. Our adoption is ordained by the Father, purchased by the Son, and applied by the Spirit. Think about that. How many of us put ourselves into thinking that life is hard because we're focused more on one of these things? Our performance, how we are living our lives, what we're doing with our lives, how good we are at something. But this is more talking about how good we are at doing God's work your popularity, how, how other people look at you, not the cool kid at school, everyone kind of makes fun of me, even at church, people stay away from me, I was sometimes that kid, or your pedigree, sometimes we forget our victory in Christ, we forget the fact that we are God's children we try to do all the work on our own and we put ourselves, we place ourselves into suffering. Another aspect of this through Christ's victory, you have a new family. You have brothers and sisters in Christ. This would have been widely controversial as Paul is writing this because there were, there were major divisions even within the church. In Rome, in Ephesus, 
Other places between Roman believers, Gentile believers, and Jewish believers. Sometimes these two groups, they didn't really like each other. Yet, through Christ's identity, he breaks down those barriers of hostility. He makes us a family that we're able to, to live with. Don't forsake going to church. Don't forsake being a part of the body of Christ. God has given it to us as a gift to help us through when life is hard. To help us through as we go through different struggles. Your identity in Christ is much bigger and much more important than you realize. Think about Paul that when he's in prison and he's in chains and he's the one that's writing this here in Romans chapter 8. He was probably groaning physically. Man, this is tough, but what was he singing outwardly? Praises to God. He was trusting God with, with, within the suffering that, that had been given to him, and he was suffering on the account of Christ. Not all the suffering that we go through is on the account of Christ. Now, I want to make sure that's very clear here. There are two types of suffering. Just suffering because we live within this broken, fallen world, and then there's suffering that we're going to face because we are Christ followers, and this world will persecute us. And I think that that will be growing more and more as we go forward, especially within our country. And not all that suffering that we're going to go through is bad. It's not all bad. In fact, I think some of us need it a little more. But Paul sings praises to God while he's in chains. I tried to use a passage like this when Taylor was facing suffering. After Clay was born, it was a, it was a very tough pregnancy with Clay. And then getting to the end, uh, there were some things that happened that uh, as they were trying to give her an epidural, they, they allowed a student to do the epidural. And uh, I should have noticed as I was watching the student, the guy's hands was shaking like this with this super long needle. So an epidural is something where they stick a needle into your back, into your spine, so that way you don't feel anything. It's like, so that way you don't feel anything at all in your legs. So they were going to do this, and they put the epidural in too far into Taylor's back. And what this did was poked into the spinal column of her back and leaked out this thing called spinal fluid or whatever that is that's contained in there. And, and when that happens, it has another serious repercussion. Your brain then sinks within your head because guess what holds your brain up? That spinal fluid. <laughs> so she had just delivered clay and we were in the, we were in the hospital and they're, they're explaining all of this to us. Hey, you're probably going to have these terrible, terrible headaches. And I was like, I mean, it's just a headache. <laughs> How bad can that be, right? I was a fool. <laughs> and uh, so we get home, and uh, sure enough, these headaches came on, and uh, the only way to alleviate them is for Taylor to lay down. In fact, it got so bad one night that I had to take her into the ER, and they just gave her this cocktail of morphine and stuff and she just went out. It was weird. Anyways, went into her and I tried to help her uh, 
through all the suffering. She couldn't hold her baby that was just born because she's on a weight restriction, everything like that. Clay was a big baby. And, uh, <laughs> and anyways, um, I went in there and tried to read to her out of 2 Corinthians. Tried to say, hey, you know, this, this suffering that you're going to is light, momentary afflictions. Compared to, the, compared to the glory that's about to come, Taylor. <laughs> Sitting there next to her bedside, and I've read these out to her. And she looked at me and so lovingly said, is that supposed to help me? <laughs> and I said, was that not helpful? <laughs> she said, no. That was not helpful at all, Cody, because you just minimized all of the suffering that I'm going through right now. I was trying to point her to the victory that we have in Christ, because we need to remember that. It's very important for us to understand the fact that, hey, better days are coming, Taylor. You're going to get through this, right? There's a better way to do it. So even as we struggle and we see that within the, within the body of Christ, we need to make sure to guard our mouths, young people. There's times in which it's better to just say nothing than to say something. Because sometimes when someone is struggling and they're going through a hard time, it's better to just put your arm around them, say, I'm praying for you, I'm here for you, and just sit with them. That's what Taylor actually told me would have been better in that case. The third thing tonight is that we need to rest, rest, in God's promises. We need to rest in God's promises. When we study out God's word, when, 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 we, when we study God's word, we are hit with so many different promises that he gives to us. He gives us promise after promise after promise that, that we're able to see. And young person, as you read his word, Remember his promises. Soak in his promises. When you're going through a hard time, go to a passage within Scripture to find a promise like this here within Romans chapter 8 that, yeah, you're going to groan. There's going to be hard times. You're going to suffer. You're going to be longing for restoration. You're going to groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. And as you read that, you can say, one day my body is going to be redeemed. One day I will not have to suffer anymore. One day I am going to be freed, freed from suffering. It's kind of like long distance runners. They put themselves through this hard training. They suffer through, right? Any of you like to run? There's times when I'm out running and it's like, why am I doing this right now? I don't feel good, my legs are hurting, I'm gassy, it's really embarrassing when you're at the gym, just want to get off the treadmill, but yet I know that it's, it's for my betterment, and if I want to go for a long distance, I have to put myself through those paces so that way I can run a longer distance. 
Tried to run the dam to dam one year. And all I trained with was running four miles at a time. Four miles here. Four miles there at lunch. Run it, run it, run it. And I tried to run it. And then I went and I ran the dam to dam. I could barely make it through. It's 13 miles. Never run that many miles in my life before. And it, actually, I don't think it was a true half marathon at that point. We need to rest in God's promises, learn His promises, so that way when hardship comes, we're able to endure. We're able to be able to, to find the peace that God gives to us. We're able to set our minds uh, on, on the peace that path, passeth all understanding. Romans 5, 1-5 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him... We've also obtained access by faith into grace in which we stand and we rejoice, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We're longing for it, we're hoping for it, we're resting in it. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Young person, that is a hard thing to learn to do. So many of us are so weak when it comes to suffering. So many of us are so ready for defeat rather than to live in the victory that Christ has supplied to us as sons and as children of God. We rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces what? Hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. There he is again, the Holy Spirit, given to us, working in us, allowing us to be able to see the hope that God has given to us and that we are able to rejoice in our sufferings because our mind, our mind is not set on the things of the flesh but it's set on the things of God. We're allowing God's word to do a work in our life. We're using it to kill the sin that's in our life. So that way, we're able to rest when suffering and hard times come. We're able to endure and have long suffering within our lives. Set your hope not on the things of this world, but set your heart on eternity. So many times we forget that we are going to live forever. We get stuck on pleasure within this world and we think that we're missing out on something that we deserve. We place ourselves into this victim mentality of the fact that, God, I deserve better than what you're giving to me. I've been doing all of this God stuff with my life and you're not giving me the status that I want in my life. You're not giving me the boyfriend or the girlfriend that I long for. You're not giving me the money that I want. You're not giving me the family that I want. You get stuck on thinking that we deserve better and yet God is giving us exactly what we need. And it's okay it's okay to be sad. It's okay to long to be restored. It's okay to understand that life is hard and to struggle through it. But please don't forget, please don't forget the hope of God's word that he has given to us. Rest in God's promises.
We don't fully understand how God is going to do it all. But what we're going to be looking at tomorrow night as we continue on with this thought is that God is actively making everything for his good. And that comes with it, a different type of mindset and thought process because so often we have our minds set on our own good. We have our minds set on what we think that we need. We have our minds set on the things that we desire the most. Young person, make sure that you're putting to death the, the deeds of the flesh, that you're not residing in them, that you're not living in them. Set your hope continually, even in the mundane times of life, on God's word, on his promises, on what he's given to you. Focus not on the physical, but on the eternal. Next steps tonight, as you get to that, as you get to the next steps, what needs to change next in your life, young person? Hard times are coming. You're going to struggle. What step do you need to take next within your life? Understand that suffering is inevitable. It's there because we live in this broken world and this world is groaning. We see it all over the news. We see it all over the place. We see it all over social media that this world is broken. What is that next step that you need to take? Are you ready for suffering? Are you still trying to do everything on your own? Are you still apart from God because you're not seeing the Spirit active within your life? You're not actually a child of God? You read this and you say, fall back into a spirit of fear. I'm still there. I'm not a child of God. I don't trust Him. Young person, place your trust in Christ. Cry out to God in the midst of your suffering. Suffering is hard. It's not easy. Some of you have gone through hard times within your life. I don't want to minimize those. You understand the groaning that Paul is talking about here. We see the suffering within this world. Don't get focused on it too much. Acknowledge it and then turn it over to God. Maybe, maybe you need to view your world through the lens of God's word. Maybe you're not reading God's word enough. Maybe you're not setting yourself up for victory in those times, and instead you're setting yourself up for failure. Maybe that's what needs to change. Maybe that's the next step that you need to take. So at this time, I'd like to ask Matt to come up here. We're going to sing one last time before we do Skidapalooza, which I'm excited for. But before, but before we get to all of that fun, before we get to, to, to the skit time that we're about to that we're about to see, I want you to truly think about what is the next step that you need to take. Some of you, you've been hearing God's word in the morning and in the evening, and you know, you know there's things within your life that need to change. You know that, that something is off within your spirit. You know that you're not obeying God's word with how you are currently living. Whether you apart from him completely or whether you are a, a child of God who is walking in disobedience. You know that something needs to change. What is it? What is that next step? Maybe you just need help. That's the first step, is to acknowledge that you need help. One, from God. And two, from your brothers and sisters in Christ. Many of you came here with counselors 
who love you desperately. They want what is best for you in your life. You have pastors back at home that shepherd you with love. You can go to them. You can think of people that you can go to. But at this time, I'd like every eye closed, every head bowed for a moment as Matt starts to play through. And if there's a decision that you've been putting off, there's something that that you know you're struggling with and you need help with, I'm not going to ask you to get up and leave, but take a look at your counselor. Counselors, you can be looking around. You can be looking at your campers. Glance at your counselor. Raise up a hand towards them. Let them know that you need to talk later. Let them know that there's something. If, If the Spirit has been prompting you, say, hey, Look at them and say, hey, I need to talk about something with you later. I need to pray with you. I need your guidance on this. Would you do that right now? Don't resist God. Allow him to do a wonderful work within your life. Let's pray. God, we know that life is hard. We know that there's going to be struggles. God, sometimes the struggles that we have within our lives... We've created them ourselves, been there. But God, you are good to us. And as we we confess our sins to you, you are faithful and just to forgive us because you love us as our heavenly Father. God, you've given us victory through Christ. I pray that if there is a young person here who has resisted your love, they have not placed their faith and trust in you, God, that at some point they would turn over the rebellious heart to you. God, I pray that you would would take the shackles of sin from them and that they would be able to live in the power of your spirit, that they would be able to live as a free child of you. We pray all of this in your name. Amen.